You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi there, it's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply, because all's fair in love and war. So welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Fasten your seatbelts and let's go. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Wasser. My name is Johnny Rains. Thank you for joining us today on All's Fair. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to podcasts. And while we are sincerely grateful you found us, we want you to be hooked. So rest assured, we'll continue serving up topics that are fresh and on point. This show is about relationships, and we've had some great interviews with people discussing how they co-parent, discussing how they broke up, how they got together, how they deal with each other, and whether it's breakups, makeups, siblings, friendships, family, and even people's relationship with their personal finances and politics, all are things that Johnny and I cover every week with our guests on All's Fair. Tap review, tell us what you think and what you want to hear more of this season, and we will deliver. One of the most challenging, intense, and rewarding relationships many of us are having right now are with our own kids. Moms and dads, you guys know what I'm talking about. The new normal amid the coronavirus first meant homeschool for a few weeks, which turned into a few months. And now it's summer and the new school year is fast approaching, but the 2020-2021 academic year may not resemble any year in recent memory as school districts across the country are working towards reopening. I'm on the board of my kid's school, and so we have meetings, and we discuss how right. this is going to work. I'm obviously reading up on it and even getting ready for today's episode. I mean, it's just a complete, constant moving target, and I know it's so difficult for lawmakers, educators, administrators just to figure out exactly what the best plan is for protecting our kids, protecting our adults and our elderly and our autoimmune deficient and also making sure that kids are getting the kind of academic stimulation that they need to move forward. You know, a couple months is one thing, but if we're going to have a whole year, that's going to be an issue. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the LA Times, they talk about this in a recent article written by Sonali Kohli, where she talks about the plan in California to reopen some of the schools and how it's going to involve smaller class sizes. And this is at the public schools. So one of the things that I think is super challenging right now for parents of kids in public school is that many of them are having to work and homeschool at the same time. So I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to schools reopening. Right. And again, our school systems, both public and private, believe it or not, are already financially challenged. And what we were kind of all, I think, assuming is, oh, this break would have been good. We could have caught our breath, whatever. It's not. It actually costs more to employ new resources to keep things safe for people. So that's another uphill battle, especially here in California. We definitely are in a deficit and and public schooling is if it's only going to be more expensive. And and look, they're doing everything they can. I am watching both the teachers and the administrators and the people that are in, you know, government trying to figure out the best way. Everybody is doing the best they can. And yet this is just the unknown. There's a, another article in the New York Times, How to Homeschool During Coronavirus. And this was by Catherine Hill. And it was our article originally written when we first started this in mid-March. And then she updated it on things that we as parents can be doing to help our kids with homeschooling, you know, and and again, with different age kids too. I have a high schooler and then I have a fourth grader. High schooler is much better on his own. He does need a little supervision just to make sure that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and checking in with teachers and stuff like that. But the fourth grader getting on and off the Zoom calls, making sure that in the morning we get up, we do a little bit of physical activity, we have something to eat. It's too easy just to fall into the slump. I think that a lot of us as adults have done where you stay in your pajamas all day. That's not always the best idea for kids if we're trying to get them to actually engage in the remote classroom. I like what Catherine Hill, the writer of the How to Homeschool During Coronavirus article from the New York Times, does at the end of her article. She lists out some potential schedules that are based on kids' ages that can work for parents in case schools, when they reopen, you know, there could be a surge and we may shelter back at home again. By the way, I thought it was kind of interesting. In that article, she said most school-age kids can work on something online for approximately 20 minutes. And I was like, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of school-age kids, um, Prince William and Duchess Kate might not send Princess Charlotte back to school. Um, This was in an article on May 24th, uh, 2020 in Us Magazine, and I I know what a royal fan you are, Um, so I thought we'd uh, discuss this Mm. for a bit. Um, The Duke, 37, and Duchess of Cambridge, 38, are considering keeping Charlotte 5 at home, even if Thomas's school reopens. Basically, they want to keep their kids together, and they've actually kind of gotten into homeschooling since they've been doing it since the uh, coronavirus started. And there's also the benefit of not having to be with all of those commoners. (laughs) Whether royal or commoner, I continue to believe that people in the public eye have the power to impact the behavior of the masses. So time will tell, and hopefully everyone who needs an education will be able to get one in the best environment possible, be that in a brick-and-mortar school, Buckingham Palace, or your own space. What matters most is prioritizing our children and their academic endeavors so that they can navigate the world as adults one day, possibly, hopefully, even better than their parents. And to help me drive this point home to you, I'm happy to introduce you to our first guest. She's well known for her research into child psychology at Harvard and at UC Berkeley. She's one of the foremost educational psychologists in the country and the author of Measuring Up, the go-to guide for parents and students looking for an edge in the hyper-competitive world of education. 
She's also the founder of Brain Matters, a program for schools, parents, and kids focused on improving auditory processing, executive functioning skills, attention, focus, and memory in children. Take a listen to this. When the brain's optimized, then learning becomes easy. And when it becomes easy, then it becomes more fun. And isn't that what we want for our children? To become happy and successful? It sure is. Welcome to All's Fair, Dr. Terry Lindsay. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the five things that every parent can do to help our children perform better at home. Okay. So um, I think the first thing, when parents have been calling me, I've been telling them, you know, provide structure because kids are used to structure. They're used to consistency in school. They're used to a schedule, those kinds of things. And the brain will perform better in that kind of situation. So that structure is important. Um, Staying active, right? What um, exercise does for the body is a drop in the bucket in comparison to what it does for the brain. So very important for them to stay active. And then that leads into mental fitness. Uh, There's a lot of ways to uh, stay mentally fit. They can do it informally or they can do it formally Uh, using electronics health, you know, in a healthy way is really important. I think the research is very clear about that. Um, And then, um, you know, making it fun using some, Uh, fun educational games or board games, things like that. I think those are really important. Um, I think it's really important for kids to have fun. Why is it so important that kids remain physical? Why is it so important? I mean, I know I've read things about why physical education in schools is important, but for us as home teachers these days, tell our listeners why it's so important that our kids, you know, bodies are stimulated in order for them to then be able to learn better. Well, so just put aside that it's good for fitness, right? That the heart and all those things, we've known that forever, but we now know that it's great for the brain, right? The new research tells us that exercise is very important to the brain, cardio and weight training, those kinds of things. And we've got so many anxious kids right now in a time of uncertainty that it's really good for their social emotional too. So their mental health, that piece of it. So you just can't go wrong by staying active. You're helping your body, your mental health, your mental fitness, all of those things are coming into play with uh, exercise. What are you feeling, Terry, about the fact that this summer we don't have many camps, we're not having summer school, kids, I've felt, you know, experienced what they call a summer slump anyway, this year it may even be worse. What are you telling parents who are calling you about the summer slump in 2020? Well, obviously, a lot of the parents that are calling me are calling me about the the virtual brain labs or the brain camps that we're having, right, to help them bounce back. And so I'm, you know, giving them all the information about the camps and and how that works for them. I'm also letting parents know that if they don't want to go the brain lab route, that they can, you know, purchase brain cards. A lot of NFL quarterbacks use the brain cards to categorize and keep their mind quick in the summer. So I'm talking to them about those. We're talking about the younger kids. There are non-negotiables. Reading is one of those non-negotiables. Any way you can get them to do it, right? And another non-negotiable would be doing some kind of math, whether that's 
doing a cooking project with your kids or, you know, whatever that looks like informally, but doing those kinds of things. And then for older kids, board games, brain cards, any of those things, all of that's going to be really important for kids. So that's what I'm telling parents that if you want your child to bounce back when school comes around to make sure that you're keeping, that you're doing some kind of mental fitness at least once or twice a week, at least. I mean, that's the, that's this, the uh, bottom line. This may be an obvious answer. And if so, I apologize in advance, but does it matter if our kids are reading on an electronic device? I like am totally, I mean, I don't know. I can't even imagine what I did before there was a Kindle. I'm a voracious reader and I travel a lot or I used to, and I would always be lugging all these books around. I have them all in my Kindle, but I have kind of insisted that my kids continue, I mean, they don't read as much as I do, but that they continue reading paper books for now. Does it make any difference physiologically, brain-wise, whether they're looking at an electronic device or not? Well, we don't have any clear research out there about this yet. And the minute we do, I'm going to grab it. But the thing I see is that because kids are still caught in between, they're still doing, they're doing things online, but they're also, when they do get back in school, they're, they're having to read books. And so I think doing a combination of the two is really important. As someone who assesses students a lot, I see kids who spend too much time online. I see a slower visual processing speed. And so I always recommend to parents do a combination you know, do some on the screen, but, but do some uh, with books too. So I, I like what you're doing with your children. Okay. Another question. The UC school districts just announced that they're no longer going to be looking at the SAT, ACT scores for admissions until 2024 and perhaps indefinitely. Is this good for student applicants or bad, or do you have a feeling about this? Well, I think it's a step in the right direction. I get a lot of kids that go through the program to try to prepare themselves for the pressure of the SATs and the ACTs. And I think testing has value. However, when it's that heavily weighted, I think we're creating a culture of perfectionists and anxiety-ridden kids, as opposed to what we want, which is kids who enjoy lifelong learning, right? And so I think from that standpoint, it's evening the playing field a little bit. And uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. Is it going to be difficult for these college admissions? I mean, there's also going to be, and depending on how long this goes on, but I feel even for this last semester, the really important bond that students have with their teachers by being in class, having, whether it's older kids having office hours or meetings or conferences or younger kids just having a second with the teacher next to them, kind of guiding them they're missing out on that piece of it. So they don't have that piece of it. How are teachers going to be able to be giving college recommendations when they really don't have that same kind of connect with kids as they do when we're in person? Well, the teachers I know are really reaching out and communicating and doing everything possible to connect with their kids. And I think you're right. I think that's a piece that our kids are missing out on. And hopefully they won't have to miss out on that too much longer. But the educators that I know are really committed and they're really reaching out 
and they try to get to know their students. And so as far as recommending, I feel like that's not going to be the issue, but I do think that's a big missing piece for the child themselves uh, is not being able to have that one-on-one with the teacher. I think that's really important. And one-on-one or group learning with their peers. I mean, I know my 10-year-old is having a very hard time with that, not being able to, the socialization process, I mean, it starts in preschool and kindergarten, but it really does move all the way through elementary and high school and not being able to actually sit in class, have that competition. I mean, I've heard, you know, in some schools these days, they're trying to put girls in a different math class because young girls I have read are intimidated by boys and they do better when boys aren't in the math class, which I have issues with that because I think we should be learning how to deal with different genders as we are in school. But again, now we have nobody sitting next to us in class. We're doing it all remotely. And I think that in and of itself, the socialization process makes it really difficult or the lack thereof for kids to kind of take their journey as almost as an important part of education as academia. I think the peer situation is really important. Now, research tells us that there are more extroverts out there than there are introverts. I myself am an introvert. So my friends have told me that going through this time that I've been preparing for it my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) But with uh, students that are extroverted, that social piece is so important to their mental health and to their educational process. So it's difficult. And Zoom, Zoom is great, but it just doesn't, you know, it just, it does, it can't replace that. Obviously, this one, doctor, will be a case by case, but we, as you know, deal with a lot of two home families. Have you seen that it is better for kids with divorced parents or separated parents living in two homes to do all of their academics in one place? Or can we recreate a study environment for them at both homes and have them go back and forth? Is it important that parents have the same kind of procedures and practices in each of the homes? Or can they actually get by doing it differently? I know this is great in theory, but if both parents can be on the same page, that's ideal, right? If they can communicate and decide how they're going to set those things up. If they can't get on the same page, then it might be better for the homework and the, the educational piece to take place in one area, in one home, if they can't get on the same page with that. Um, at least that's what I've seen uh, with the people that I work with. If the parents couldn't get on the same page, then they kept the educational piece in one part of it and then other things, maybe the social piece or other things in the other home. But when they were able to get on the same page and replicate what the other one was doing, and to a certain degree, that's really beneficial for the child. Right. We were talking a little bit about trying to keep kids off of technology during the summertime. And even, you know, if we end up going back to school in the fall and the coronavirus resurges and we end up having to shelter at home again, then every kid is going to come back to their home. So what are some of the side effects? And what are, I wanted to see if you could maybe double click a little bit more into the reasons why parents should monitor their kids on screens. Well, uh, you know, like I said, uh, anecdotally, I see visual processing speed across the board. I do testing in private schools and public schools, and I see kids 
struggling with visual processing speed, I often ask parents, how much time are they spending on online? Now, I want to make sure that I'm saying I'm not, I'm not saying to parents that they should keep their kids off of, you know, technology during the summer. What I'm saying is, is to use it in a healthy way. Right. Uh, for, for example, I have some parents who are letting their son build a website this summer. And I have some who are, you know, obviously they're doing some of their uh, research online or, you know, those kinds of things. Or what I suggest is they use it as a reward if they're going to play video games, you know, like if after they've done something that's non-negotiable, maybe they sat down and they read a book for 30 minutes, then maybe they get 30 minutes of screen time, you know, to play a video or an hour, whatever it is. But, you know, if we look at the people that are in Silicon Valley that are in charge of the technology, you can see them say that they keep their children off of electronics that, you know, they let them have just a certain amount of time on that. And now that we have schools that may go into the fall online, I think that's going to be even more important. And not to even mention getting out there on the internet and needing to monitor what our students are actually doing on Absolutely. And when you say visual processing speed, just for um, those of us who haven't uh, masters or PhDs or law degrees, (laughs) what does that mean? (laughs) Okay. So thank you for for, uh, reminding me of that. So visual processing speed is that ability to take in visual information quickly and connect it to what you already know. So reading would require fast visual processing speed. Um, copying from the board, uh, listening to a lecture and trying to take notes. So visual processing speed, I mean, what is it, like 87% of everything we learn, something like that, it comes in visually. So if your visual processing speed is slow, you can't um, pick up social cues. Sometimes you can't read body language, things like that. So it kind of bleeds into every part of our life. Right, right. Wow. And I do think that we are, I mean, things are changing. This is an evolution. I'm not sure if it's for the better, but I hope it is. But even looking at things like UC's decision to not be considering SAT and ACT, whether standardized tests return in California or sets something in motion for other universities across the country to do away with it as well, the admissions process will probably not get any easier, especially for people that are on the other end of it trying to figure out who's an appropriate candidate for admission. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. This is All's Fair with Laura Wasser. That's me. And as unbelievable as it may sound to some, for many elementary and secondary school-aged children, it's almost as hard to get into charter, private, and some public schools as it is for older kids to get into college. But moms and dads, relax. Joining our conversation next is the maven of admissions for kids in those pre-college age groups. She's an educator with experience working for Los Angeles Unified School District. She's also a graduate of the prestigious Oakwood School and Boston University. She's one of the most sought-after educational consultants in Southern California. Welcome to All's Fair, my friend, Jamie Bacall. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Hi there, Jamie. Hi. Thank you for having me. So I know Jamie because we have some mutual friends, and she actually helped me when we were figuring out where my older son was going to go to school. And then... Her kids ended up going to the same school, which was also her alma mater. And now we're on the board together. So I get to see her and speak with her a lot about what's going on right now, particularly whenever I think of something on a morning run about like what we should be doing at our school, I end up (laughs) calling her and saying, what about this? And she goes, no, here's why that's a terrible idea. Or, oh, that is a good idea. We already thought about (laughs) it and talked about it at the last board meeting. You must have been asleep. Jamie, tell us a little bit about your backstory, because I know that you and I have discussed before, but I'd love for our our listeners and Terry to hear about kind of how you came to what you do and why it certainly is near and dear to you what Johnny and I do with All's Fair and It's Over Easy. Absolutely. I was a first grade teacher. I taught first grade at Westwood Charter Elementary School, and I had a lot of friends that were coming to me going through the process of applying to kindergarten, and they all said, you're an educator, you understand how kids learn, and you grew up in the LA private school world, you understand the landscape, help us figure this out. And kind of organically from there, my company formed. Um, In terms of how it relates to you and Johnny and what you guys do, I'm a child of divorce, I'm a product of divorce, and it was not a pretty 
picture when I was a child and I was the kid that identified with the maybe irreconcilable differences <laughs> and and to to be able to help parents to be able to navigate that having the perspective of their children and being able to put their children first just is a priority to and me. it is doable correct I know you've worked with many parents absolutely who live in two different homes and and we can get it together and apply do schools these days frown on parents who are divorced Jamie does that even matter anymore if they're if they're getting along and they're on the same page? It does not matter at all. I think what does matter, though, is that they are on right. the same page. Um, divorce, single parents, that that's irrelevant to the process. But parents that are able to come together for the sake of their child, that does matter. And in terms of, again, I mean, I, I remember when we were applying to kindergarten, I was pregnant with my second son. And he has a different dad. So it was really funny because we would go on all these interviews and we were very much on the same page and we were and remain very good friends. But so many of the people interviewing us would look at him and say, congratulations, you got another one on the way. And he'd say, it's not mine, but okay, thanks. I'll take it. Um, And he did say to me at one point, do you think this is bad? I mean, this was in probably when Luke was starting kindergarten. I don't know, it was probably like 2008 or nine. And we still felt mm-hmm. like there might have been a stigma there. Again, almost everybody made us feel like that wasn't the case. And of course, we were not married ever, so we weren't divorced, and I wasn't married to the next guy. So, I mean, besides thinking I was maybe a little bit slutty, I don't think anybody really <laughs> held that against us when we were applying to schools. No, and you certainly did not have the most traditional situation. <laughs> Um, that said, I think why it didn't hurt you is it wasn't right. contentious. You and David really were able to say, this is about Luke and we're making it all about Luke. And that's all that mattered. And that was very evident to the schools. So had it been a different situation where it was more contentious, I think it would have been an issue. What are you finding right now? I mean, now people have gotten their letters of acceptance from the Southern California private schools, and I think almost everybody has placed. Mm -hmm. Do you have clients or are you hearing from the school admissions offices that people are declining more than usual as a result of what's gone on? Either people are saying, I got the hang of this, now I can do it from home, or I don't know if they're going to be back in classrooms in September, so I don't know that I want to pay tuition or I'm going to go in a different direction. Has this been a bigger kind of switch up than you've seen in years past? It is. It's been really different. I think there haven't been a ton of people that have pulled out of schools as of yet. There have been a few, and it's mostly not just to say I'm not going to pay for it or unfortunately we've been hit by the economy, but people are relocating and they're moving closer to family in these situations. Um, I have the same on the flip side with people trying to get to L.A. right now and want to get into private school for the fall because they have family here and want to be closer to family, given everything going on with COVID. I think the schools are overly concerned. They're very thoughtful of the fact that the economy is being hit horribly. And they are concerned that there will be people pulling out as tuition becomes due in June and July. And they are trying to over-enroll a little bit to kind of pad that cushion. There's also been a huge influx of families from public school that have been really unhappy with the way their public school has handled the remote learning and are trying to get their kids into private school for the fall. Have we done better in private schools? I don't know that many people whose kids are in public schools that are really, you know, in the weeds on this. Has it been that different? It's been really different. I normally would 
tell anyone that asked me, you don't need to pay $40,000 a year to give your kid a good education. That said, in the current environment, there's never been a greater discrepancy between public and private than there currently is. Um, there are public schools that have just stopped school and shut down entirely because the remote learning was too challenging. Um, and obviously that can't happen in private school. Um, it's, it's been a big discrepancy and it's really unfair. And unfortunately, I think it's only going to get worse. Our state budget, we used to have a $24 billion surplus in California. We now have a $54 billion deficit and that is going to trickle down very quickly to the public school system. Oh my God. Um, I have to ask, I know you don't do the college admissions probably, thank God, but I know, <laughs> be a fool but, I, but I do have to ask about the recent scandal because it is such a big deal. There was something recently in the news about uh, Lori Loughlin and Massimo newly changing their plea. Um, not so much about that, but from your perspective as somebody who deals with admissions, how does something like this happen? And did the people in your circle have a feeling that something sketchy was going on? Not this sketchy, no. Um, how did this happen? It happened by parent ego. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen any of that. <laughs> An ego? What's that? <laughs> right. Um, that, and frankly, as far as I'm concerned, that's all this was about. This was about parents who did not honor who their children were. And they had egos that said, my child has to go to this brand name school because it was about the parent, not about the child. And I can't stress enough. And it's what I do for a living on a K through 12 level. If you had come to me and said, we wanted this school and I met and assessed Luke and didn't feel it was a good fit, I wouldn't have let you go down right. that path. And I would have put you down the right path where Luke could be most successful. And these parents put that aside for their own egos. That is, to me, the most shameful part of all of this. One of the things that struck me as strange throughout this as I was reading about the amounts that were given and what was done... Haven't people been doing this for years, though, when they say, I'm going to build the Laura Wasser Library for you, and so therefore I'd like my son to be able to go to that library, so, you know, congratulations, yeah. Cal, or congratulations, Harvard, or whatever. This was just under, I mean, and they were giving those big amounts of money, but the, but the photos were really the big difference, or what was the, or the lying on the tests? Well no, that this was this was the Costco version of that. Laura Wasser Library cost twenty plus million dollars. And the good news with that is it benefits everybody at the school. This way cost what five hundred thousand dollars. It was significantly cheaper for these families to cheat their way in um in a way that didn't benefit anyone. Um, not their own children, not themselves, and certainly not anyone within a well, Rick university. Singer kind of a um, little and, bit. <laughs> Well, did it? He's right. going to go to jail for right. a long time. So <laughs> interesting. Okay, so I guess the moral of the story is: if your kid should not be at a certain school, you really need to spend more money to buy a building. No, that's not the moral. <laughs> the moral of the story is: you really need to think about where, where, what is appropriate for your child and your family. And this certainly rings yeah. true, as you said, Jamie, for kids that are kindergarten through twelfth, as well as kids going to college. Exactly. Kids going to college, you would hope that by the time they're seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, have a little bit more of a sense of who they are. The younger kids, we do as their parents have to guide them a little bit and be able to understand who they are and who they want to become. Right. And it's it's hard at a kindergarten age with four and five year olds, 
75% of those kids are really going to do fine anywhere. So it really does come down to what the parents want to provide for them. So especially if you have two separated parents with two different ideas, that can make it really challenging. Well, how do you work with that? I mean, how do you align yourself with the one that seems to be more right? I mean, how, that is a difficult job for you as a placement assistant to kind of negotiate how these, I mean, you got one parent who says, absolutely should be at, you know, JTD, which is kind of a little bit more straight laced, a little more uh, traditional versus a Wildwood or a center. How do you figure that out as between the parents when you really are working for both of them? I really try to spend as much time with the child in that situation as possible to see if emotionally this child needs something more that they might get out of one school versus another. Some schools are a little more nurturing. Some schools have smaller class size and smaller student to teacher ratio where they might get a little more attention. So, you know, if this child does have parents with a contentious divorce, they might need, you know, a relationship with the teacher that's a little bit tighter where they're going to get that there's something going on at home. So I try to steer them towards that versus necessarily where academically they're going to be the most successful. If academically they'll be fine. Which is why it is very important to have somebody like Jamie involved if you're kind of navigating these new roads question, do you stick with them or if they call you up once their kid's there, if they need help, maybe navigating a little further on, like, I don't know, we're going to back to school night and I don't necessarily want to sit near him or we've got a parent-teacher conference and historically I've never been able to get a word in edgewise when she's sitting there. Jamie, could we do them separately? I mean, does your relationship with the family continue while the kid's in school? Yes, I kind of say once a client, always a client. Um, I, I work with families pretty much forever. So I have families that have called me three years later um, and said one parent wants to leave a school, but the other parent wants to stay and the child wants to stay. And can I help them navigate that? Um, and I will help families forever more, uh, especially when it comes to advocating for the child. Okay, so for both you and Terry, who I think you heard earlier what what, what it is that she does and how we work with her, for mm-hmm. parents everywhere right now dealing with the uncertainty of what the new school year is going to look like, what is your number one piece of advice? Terry, first. Um, I would say that for parents to, I think the ability to adapt to change right now is going to be really important. And I think that, Parents need to model that for their children and reassure them that this is temporary. Jamie? I agree with the modeling appropriate behavior. I think that parents need to be all in on their school's program and they need to show that to their children. And if they have frustrations, keep them from your children. Let your children be all in on the school because they're going to follow whatever you say. Totally agree. I've definitely seen some of that with parents and their kids are right there. And I think Look, you know, nothing is perfect, but but as a kid, I think we have to kind of be able to, you know, that moment in your life when you realize your parent's not a superhero anymore, at least mm-hmm. for my kids, at least in elementary school, I want them to believe that their parents and their teachers and their school itself are super heroic. And it's hard if you're kind of trash talking it. These are uncertain times. We are all a little bit anxiety ridden, but if we can give our kids kind of a safe space to be, and then maybe on the back end deal with whatever our, you know, disappointments are about how the school is dealing with it, I think that's probably a better way. I I definitely agree. You guys both know that my day job is being a lawyer, right? 
And so just as you, Dr. Lindsay, have your scientific method and you, Jamie, have your matching students with schools and connections and networking and, and, and spidey sense in terms of knowing where people should be, I call it. <laughs> um, my sister attorneys and I have our own special tools, which we use to get down to it, one of which are called interrogatories. And I promise these won't hurt, but do you both swear to tell the truth, <laughs> the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Yes, So, Jamie, which relationship in your life has had the most profound impact? My husband and me. And how long have you and Matthew been together? 20 years. Oh, my God. And Jamie's young. She's younger than me. (laughs) Terry, how about you? Most profound impact? Um, My grandmother. She was an Oklahoma Teacher of the Year about five times and taught me to really learn to love to learn. That's amazing. Terry, what's your favorite love song? I guess I was thinking about this. Uh, can you feel the love tonight with Elton John? I guess. Nice. Yeah. Jamie. Uh, so beleaguered. Uh, my husband, <laughs> I know. I hate I love songs. Yeah. Easy question. Um, uh, my husband and I dance. Our love is here to stay at our yes. wedding. Very <laughs> so okay. That. That's a good one. <laughs> Jamie, what's the one piece of advice you would share with your 20 something year old self? Oh, wow. Only one? Yes. <laughs> uh, you don't know everything. <laughs> I think I thought I knew everything when I was 22. <laughs> Terry, how about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I would, if you're going to make a decision, there's just one question to ask yourself, no matter what the decision is. Is this going to move me towards my goals or away from my goals? Interesting. So I just read over the weekend the book called Rodham, which is a fictional book by Curtis Sittenfeld about Hillary Rodham, not Clinton, because she's just Hillary Rodham in the book. It's what happens if Hillary doesn't marry Bill Clinton and how it goes. And it's it's like that movie Sliding Doors. Like it's just an entire track. And it's written as though it's an autobiography. So it's written by, and it, Hillary Clinton must be freaking out right now because somebody's like gotten into her head, written this book, and she's gone down an entirely different path. And boy, the truth is stranger than fiction as how everything ended up. But, and I don't know if Hillary really said this or if this was the author saying this, that every time she'd have a decision to make, she'd ask herself two questions. And one of them is, is it going to move me forward? But that's a very interesting way of thinking. And it's just very much in sync with what I was reading over the weekend. Highly recommend the book, by the way. Back to the show, Jamie. (laughs) Another cheesy question. What romantic comedy could you watch on repeat? What romantic comedy could I watch on repeat? watch romantic comedies. I just watch comedies. Um, romantic comedies on repeat. Pretty woman. That's a good one. Terry? <laughs> Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, love. Love that one. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank you guys both so much for sharing your wisdom and all of these great tips with us today on All's Fair. Tell us how people can find you online, Dr. Lindsay, and more about Brain Matters, please. They can go on the website, brainmatters.com, and uh, we're on Instagram, and just submit on there, and I'll get back with them right away. And Jamie? I'm on the website of jamiebacallconsulting.com, and I'm on Instagram at jamiebacallconsulting. And you do all of California, just Southern California. What, what, what's your range? I do Southern California, predominantly Los Angeles, uh, K through 12 independent schools. Got it. Okay. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you, Thank you so much. Wait, I have a Thank question. We have a second and I want to ask Jamie something. And Terry, would be love to hear from you too. But why is it that we can't have the teachers go into the school? I mean, maybe not today, but in, in September and mm-hmm. have the classrooms rigged so that if we can't have the kids there, they can do mm-hmm. remote learning from their home, which again, it's not the perfect solution, but at least the teachers aren't dealing with the barking dogs in the background and the bad internet wherever they live and whatever else. They're there. They've got their whiteboards. They've got their syllabuses. There's not a lot of other people around, so it could be them and you know whatever. But is that something that schools have been discussing? It is, but don't forget, at least for the time being, where so many people are without a nanny or without a, any household help or support, A, they don't have that. So maybe their husband's working or they're a single parent and they have children at home that they have to deal with. And on top of which, they might be, even if their nanny's not coming, maybe they don't have a nanny or can't right. afford a nanny. And so I think their own child care is a big hindrance in all of that. But I think that there's a great opportunity at all the schools to really create a robust remote learning program right now, because I think that no matter what, there's going to be remote learning in the fall. Even if there's a hybrid, even if schools reopen, there's going to be families that won't send their kids back to school right. because they're too scared to do that. So at least in the independent schools, they are planning for 100% both scenarios working at once. And I have another question. I don't know if either of you knows the answer. This is totally just me. We can put it in the episode or not, but I am curious, especially for kids that go to public school, if there is going to be remote learning, do we Californians have any kind of a plan to get children computer connected? I mean, I would imagine one of the biggest problems is the fact that kids don't have any ability to have remote learning, especially in neighborhoods where either their family has no computer or their family has one computer. No internet. No internet. And their parent is using it because they need to be online to do their work. 
or their parents are frontline workers or back at work and can't help. They have a five-year-old or a six-year-old and can't help them with their schoolwork. And those kids can't work independently. It's a real problem um, for a large majority of Los Angeles and the, the whole world for families that can't afford the computers, the internet, the help with their kids that are home on remote learning. Oh, so again, thank you guys for joining us. I think it's been wonderful. Definitely gives us stuff to think about. And if you're not one of those people who's on the front lines or doesn't have a computer or is in a situation where you've got either too many kids to be able to help doing the remote learning or not able to be there at all to help them, thank your lucky stars and see if there's anything you might be able to do to assist somebody who is in a worse situation than you during this time. Not you guys. I'm talking to the rest of the <laughs> Go do something. <laughs> That was good, right? Yes, that was great. I think I learned something. Did you learn something? That's good. Are you, did you learn that you're glad you're not a parent? Yes. I'm very happy <laughs> being an uncle and a godfather. Yes. Well, remember, our request at the top of the show, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think of today's show and what you'd like to hear from us next. We know a few people in town, so you never know. Let's chat next week. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.